Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. In Oklahoma, a Muslim beheads his coworker. Is this just workplace violence or was Islamic extremism his religious motive? We also interviewed Dr. Everett Piper, the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, who has a positive message teaching college kids about Jesus Christ. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. Today we're gonna have a special interview with Dr. Everett Piper, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, but first the news. By now you've heard about the brutal murder and beheading of a woman in Oklahoma. The FBI is investigating the incident in which an employee, Alton Nolan, age 30, was fired from his job and then allegedly attacked Colleen Huford, age 54, stabbing her several times before cutting off her head. Nolan also stabbed another woman at the plant. The company's CEO, COO, a reserve sheriff's deputy, thwarted the second attack, shooting Nolan, who is now in stable condition, proving that the only thing that stops a bad guy with a knife is a good guy with a gun, thanks to that off-duty cop. Was this just a case of workplace violence, or was it an act of Islamic extremism or even domestic terrorism? Breitbart.com reports that Elton Nolan, the man who on Thursday was arrested after beheading his female coworker, was a recent convert to Islam, and he attended a mosque in Oklahoma that has ties to known terrorists. Nolan learned from Suhaib Webb, an imam with ties to the former Al-Qaeda mastermind, Anwar al-Awiki, and had also previously been the leader of the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City. Here is a picture, in fact, of him as the murderer standing in front of that mosque. That imam, Webb, now serves as imam of the sister organization of the mosque attended by Boston Marathon bombers, Jokar and Tamerlan Sarnayev. So there's a connection between that terrorist event and the people leading this mosque. Fox News reports the FBI is now looking at the Facebook page of the Oklahoma murderer who reportedly had on his Facebook page, not only several pictures of Osama bin Laden and a screenshot of the 9-11 terrorist, attack, terrorist attacks, but he had a quote from the Koran. This was the verse that he posted on his Koran before beheading his coworker from Quran 51, verse 20. Your Lord revealed to the angels, verily I'm saying to you, keep firm those who have believed. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who have disbelieved, so strike them over their necks and smite their fingers and toes. In other words, smite their necks, cut off their heads. That's what Muhammad taught his followers to do, and that's what Alton Nolan actually did. So far, the Obama administration is just referring to this incident as workplace violence and not domestic terrorism, but Colin Clark, the Rand Corporation terrorism expert, has criticized the president saying, calling it a workplace violence is counterproductive. Other experts agree. Conflicting reports say the FBI is not allowed to investigate any religious motive as a possible motive. Well, here is a picture now. I wanna show Colleen Huford, who was the woman who was beheaded, and we don't wanna forget her, God bless her, probably a Christian woman in Oklahoma uh, doing a good job there. It reminds me of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20, 
where John the Revelator saw the future, said, I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his image or received a mark in their foreheads or heads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Let's take a short break. When we come back, Dr. Everett Piper is going to comment on this story and others. Discerning the spirits that rule our politicians, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb, and that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Our thanks for Dr. Everett Piper joining us today via Skype from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Welcome, Dr. Piper. Well, it's my pleasure to join you. Fantastic. So you've been the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for about 12 years. Describe what you did before that and some of your academic background. I have a PhD from Michigan State University. I have a master's degree from Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, and I have a baccalaureate degree in psychology from a Christian university in Michigan called Spring Arbor University. I uh, was a vice president in a variety of different areas, uh, uh, from development to institutional advancement to student development to capital planning and budgeting. So I basically had a fairly diverse background in educational administration before I came to Oklahoma Wesleyan University in 2002. Well, congratulations for being the president. How, how did that selection process, now that was 12 years ago, maybe you don't remember, but it must have been such an honor the day they named you the president. Well, it's an honor and it's humbling to be quite candid. Uh, running a Christian university today brings its challenges, but when I was hired in 2002, uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan, candidly, frankly, was in a bit of financial crisis. And I made up my mind when I was hired that we were going to wave the banner of the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture. We were going to do so without apology. 
And if we won waving that banner, great, that's God's grace. I had the attitude, if we lost waving that banner, so be it, we'll go down fighting. And as a result of taking that position, chaplain, and standing boldly and unapologetically on what we call our four pillars, the primacy of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Son of God, the priority of Scripture, Scripture is the Word of God, the pursuit of truth, truth is given by God, it isn't made up by you or me, and then finally, the practice of wisdom, wisdom, holiness, sanctification, obedience is demanded by God, it's not optional. By standing on those four pillars, those four cornerstones, if you will, we've grown by 150%. We've paid down our debt to zero. We have a gorgeous campus, and we're recognized nationally for our academic excellence, but more importantly, for our Christian commitment. Well, that's a wonderful legacy. I mean, you, you've been very successful in your tenure there. Describe the educational vision of Oklahoma Wesleyan. What do you want to pass on to the next generation? You have 35 different programs for undergraduate and even some graduate students. Uh, talk about what you want to pass on. A biblical worldview, to be quite candid. Um, I'm a Chuck Colson disciple. I am a graduate of Colson's Centurions program, which was his biblical worldview program to educate the next uh, batch of leaders, national leaders, and how to explain and defend a biblical worldview regardless of their profession and their calling. I believe that a Christian university is the best university because it's grounded in the right ideas. Richard Weaver in his seminal work in 1948 said, ideas have consequences. Good ideas bear good fruit and bad ideas bear bad fruit. That seems to be common sense, but we've lost that, um, that reality, that understanding within the academy today. Harvard and Dartmouth and Princeton and Yale were all founded as Christian institutions, but they've lost their way over time. Christian ideas bear the best fruit for a free society and a free culture. And what I want to do at Oklahoma Wesleyan University is to educate people in a biblical worldview so they understand how to be free from the consequences of their own sin and the consequences from somebody else's. Like G.K. Chesterton said, if you get rid of the big laws of God, you don't get liberty. You get thousands upon thousands of little laws. In other words, getting rid of the law of God results in the legalism of man. It doesn't free you. It doesn't grant you liberty and liberation. It confines you to the power base of, of politics and, and popularity. We at Oklahoma Wesleyan understand that it's the conservation of God's time-tested truths, that natural law of God that actually provides the liberty and the liberation for a free society. So we can either be ruled by God or ruled by men. Now, your university is in the tradition of John Wesley, who was a great influence on me. I earned my PhD in theology from Regent University, ordained as a Pentecostal minister in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. Talk about sanctification and how that, uh, that theme uh, influences your view of the scripture. Well, as you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. Sanctification means being set apart. If you're set apart for the holiness of God, that means, in very simple terms, that you obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. If you go to the fourth pillar of the Oklahoma Wesleyan mission statement, remember I said it's the primacy of Christ, the priority of scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. Well, what does the practice of wisdom mean? Well, the history of John Wesley was he challenged the Anglican Church, the Church of England, to practice what it preached. You may have orthodoxy, but they didn't have orthopraxy. They had separated head and heart, fact and faith, and belief and behavior. They had becoming, become a segregated church and a segregated society, separating those things that should be unified. And like King um, Solomon told us, if you separate a thing that should be living, it dies. If you cut the baby in half, it's dead. It's worthless. It is not a viable living organism any longer. 
Faith without works is dead. And Wesley told us that sanctification being set apart for the obedience, the methodical, obedient, habitual lifestyle that honors Scripture and honors the Lordship of Jesus Christ is true Christianity. Well, thank God for that. Uh, you're part of a network of four Wesleyan universities. Can you name those? Indiana Wesleyan University in Indiana, obviously. Uh, Houghton College in upstate New York, south of Buffalo. Southern Wesleyan University in central South Carolina. And then we have a Bible college in Canada called Kingswood University. And then there's Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Oklahoma Wesleyan reps, represents everything for the Wesleyan Church west of the Mississippi. Fantastic. About 1,600 students. How can students sign up or parents get more information about enrolling their kids at your school? Go to okwu.edu, okwu.edu. That's our website, and it's uh, very, very easy to navigate. And again, I would argue that parents, you know, you can get a great education, quote unquote, at many different institutions, but is it grounded in Jesus Christ? Is it grounded in the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture? If it's not, then it falls short. I've got all the academic bells and whistles, U.S. News and World Report, Forbes.com, CBS News Money Watch. We're recognized as one of the best schools in the nation academically. But all that, I would argue, is worthless if it's not grounded in the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture, because those are the things that change a culture, change a heart, change a church, change a company, change your neighborhood for good. Those are the good ideas, the permanent ideas. Amen to that. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, more with Dr. Everett Piper. We're going to talk about some issues in the news. Making your voice heard in our nation's capital, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending the Second Amendment? Are the Democrats trying to seize your guns? Sign a petition today at PrayInJesusName.org. Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein actually believes that stickers on windows and gun-free zones are going to make your life safer. That's really not true. Uh, we also know that Congresswoman Diane DeGette has confused magazines with bullets and is trying to ban both of those with these stricter gun control laws. But the Colorado sheriffs believe this is unconstitutional. And, and not only that, it's unsafe. A recent Harvard study shows that more guns actually results in less murders and less violence. And look what happened in England. Violence there soared after they banned guns, but here in America, violence dropped by 30% with more gun buying. Why, why is the government the only ones allowed to have billions of rounds of ammunition? I think we should defend your constitutional rights. Sign a petition today at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined again by Dr. Everett Piper, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Welcome back, Dr. Piper. Again, thanks for having me today, appreciate it. So you're a president of a college and you know, whenever you have young people uh, who are maybe away from home for the first time, there's gonna be uh, some new environments, some tension and some opportunities to discuss controversial topics. Something that happened in the news, uh, well, I guess, it's an ongoing debate around the country about uh, sexual behavior on college campuses. What, what is your approach to that and how do you make sure that students are in a healthy environment? Well, of course, as a Christian university, we believe in Christian morality. So we hold our students at Oklahoma Wesleyan University to that age old standard of uh, celibacy until, until heterosexual marriage. 
Um, we believe that's healthy. If you want to avoid sexually transmitted diseases, you might want to behave biblically. Uh, we believe that's good for your body. We believe that's good for others, the, bo you know, the bodies of those that you're around and living with. We have standards at Oklahoma Wesleyan. We have the no drinking, the no drugs, the no tobacco use, and the no premarital sex rules at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And we don't apologize for those. It's a healthier life. If you really believe in the health of humanity, if you really believe in the dignity of women, then you should uh, champion and celebrate a biblical worldview because it is the healthiest worldview out there for women, for girls, and for all of humanity. Because if you behave that way, you're not going to end up suffering the consequences of those uh, compromised behaviors. Now, it's been reported that sexual assault on you know, normal civilian or, or secular campuses around the country is on the rise, and other Christian universities have had different approaches. Talk about what's going on in Connecticut, and you recently wrote a blog about another Wesleyan University and their approach to this. Well, and, and let me be clear, Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut is not a Wesleyan University. This is a university that claimed the Wesleyan name 100 years ago. Basically, it claimed the name from John Wesley, as we just discussed earlier, the 18th century revivalist that challenged the Church of England to start acting biblically. Um, claiming the word, the name Wesley, makes you no more Christian or Wesleyan than claiming Maserati makes you a car. So that name and that nomenclature doesn't mean that it's a Christian institution. Wesley University in Middletown, Connecticut does not claim to be Christian. In fact, I think they would be offended if somebody called them such. Oklahoma Wesleyan University honors the legacy of John Wesley, a man of one book, the scriptures, and a man who believed in being sanctified and set apart for the holiness of God. Oklahoma Wesleyan University is owned and operated by the Wesleyan Church of North America. Middletown, uh, Connecticut's university is not. So there's a great distinction there. So what did they do? They, they merged the fraternities and sororities and they think that's gonna stop date rape or what, what is their idea? Well, they came up with this brilliant idea, and this came from the Board of Trustees of Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, that they would require all fraternities and sororities, all of the Greek houses on campus, to become co-educational. And the reason they came up with that idea is they were bemoaning, quote-unquote, the patriarchal misogyny of traditional morality. So the way to keep women from being raped, and oh, by the way, the data, the Department of Education data, shows that one in five women on our college campuses is sexually abused. 20% of our women that we send off to campus get sexually abused, either through date rape or other means of unwanted sexual advance. 20%. And the way these people in Connecticut think they're gonna solve the problem is to force a bunch of 18-year-old girls to accept a bunch of 18-year-old frat boys to live in their houses with them, sleep in the same rooms, shower in the same showers, and this is going to result in decreased amount of sexual assault and unwanted sexual activity. Well, I'm I went to really I went to the Air Force Academy. You know, we we had about 80% men and of course there were very strict rules at the Air Force Academy, but there were still a, a little bit of tension, you know, with with some of the cadet girls there. Uh, just Tell me, what's, what's a common sense approach to this? How do you mentor young men to treat young women with respect? Well, here's the thing. Um, I wrote a blog this week on this very issue, and I, the irony is not only do they suggest that the way to address 
sexual assault is to have 18-year-old men and women live together in the same house and use the same showers, okay? Then they turn around and they blame Christian morality for the problem. See, it's the Christian morality that causes the immorality of their students. I feel like it's a dog chasing its tail. It's like saying I can't tolerate your intolerance or I hate those hateful people or I'm sure that nothing is sure and I know nothing can be known. And I know that if you get rid of the sun, it's going to be daylight, it's not going to be dark. I know if we didn't have food that we could solve the problem of famine. It's blaming food for famine and blaming the sun for darkness. Blaming Christianity for immorality would be the same thing. It's nonsense. It makes no sense. What's the solution? I would argue the solution is the lesson of history. It was Christianity that challenged ancient Rome to treat women with dignity and respect rather than chattel and something that was owned. It was Christianity that fueled the movement for women's suffrage. It was Christianity that elevated women in the Western society and Western culture and gave them dignity rather than treating them, treating, treating them like sex objects. It's Christianity that challenges magazines like Sports Illustrated and Vogue for making women objects of recreation and sport rather than people that have dignity and value. It's Christianity that even today fights sex trafficking and modern day slavery. So. The solution is to return to the lessons of history and recognize that Christianity is the salt that seasons culture and keeps it healthy, when in fact without that morality and without that law of Christianity and that morality that Christianity seeds into culture, culture rots. I agree 100%. Now, recently in the news there in Moore, Oklahoma, there was a Muslim man who was he had gotten out of prison recently and then he got fired from his job and he beheaded one of his co-workers. There seems to be a, a controversy now. Is there inter-religious dialogue with Islam? And you blogged about this recently. Can, can Christianity and Islam be conflated or have a dialogue? Well, there's a difference between a dialogue and conflating. I think we, as Christians, we need to be open to talking to anyone at any time about anything and not apologize for having a biblical worldview to bring to the table. Um, the syncretism and the conflation of Islam with Christianity is literally nonsense. That makes no sense. To say, so to say that Islam is the same as Christianity and we both are on different paths leading to the same summit and the same God makes no sense. Even Bill Maher, who as we all know is an angry atheist on HBO, even Bill Maher recently, when challenged by Charlie Rose on a PBS program, told Charlie Rose that it was silly, it was nonsense, that it made no sense whatsoever to claim that ISIS and Islam is the same as Christianity, which Charlie Rose was trying to do. Bill Maher said, wait a second, Charlie, Christianity doesn't call for the beheading of those that deviate from the faith. Christianity doesn't force its women to wear burqas and to not get an education. Christianity doesn't stone those who don't want to convert to the faith or who commit sins such as adultery. Christianity doesn't do those things. Even Bill Maher was defending Christianity and saying that the conflation of Islam with Christianity is poorly informed and makes no sense. And some people use the word Chrislam. I know uh, Rick Warren was the subject of some controversy for trying to, uh, and there's some liberal churches who want to unify all the religions under one. Uh, what it, how does that compare to the teachings of Jesus Christ? 
Well, Ravi Zacharias, a great apologist of our day, was once challenged after he made a presentation at one of the Ivy League schools. If I remember correctly, it was Harvard. Uh, he had defended a biblical worldview and defended the exclusivity of the Christian faith. And he had challenged the syncretism of our culture where all religions are the same, they just lead to the same God and the same, uh, up to the same summit. A student after Ravi Zacharias was done challenged him and said, Dr. Zacharias, I like what you said today and I appreciate your intellect and your defense of your biblical worldview, but I'm one of those who believes that all religions are the same and lead to the same God and it's just different paths leading to the summit of the same mountain. Ravi Zacharias's response was this. He said, well, indeed, young man, all religions are the same, except in their view of sanctification, salvation, of sin, except in their view of se sexuality, except in, in their view of the definition of God, the defini definition of humanity, and the definition of creation. I guess if you set these minor issues aside, young man, all religions are the same. <laughs> his, his point is clear. These religions themselves make antithetical claims. Islam does not claim to worship the same God as Christianity. In fact, if you go to the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the, the Quranic verses that are written on the outside of the Dome of the Rock are the very verses that uh, dispute the Trinity, dispute the divinity of Jesus Christ, and dispute the very core doc doctrines of the Christian faith. There's a reason for that, and that reason is Islam is... Uh, not fond of the basic orthodoxy of Christianity and refutes it and stands against it. So to claim that they somehow are unified and can be syncretized and conflated into one religion is quite frankly silly. Thank you so much, we're out of time, but I wanna thank my guest, Dr. Everett Piper, okwu.edu. Send your students to his college. We'll be right back after this short break. This is PIJN News. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to a real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Once your voice heard by multiple congressmen at FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today at FactsCongress.com. FactsCongress.com. Our thanks to Dr. Everett Piper for that wonderful interview. He is fulfilling the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If you wanna help us make disciples on this show, please donate today at PrayInJesusName.org or call our prayer line, 866-Obey-God. God bless you in Jesus' name, we'll see you next time. 
Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.